All right. Uh, I am going to do my best to be Sergeant Seagar this week. And I will do my best to be Sergeant Bacon. And not Cat. Who's probably on more to- more on topic than me. Yeah, 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 probably. Um, Yeah, I don't really know. There hasn't been a... Uh, you see our Discord. Thanks to Chris Rock and Will Smith, we got a little bit of chatter there uh, talking about James's wife. Uh, not in a negative manner by any means. I mean, whatever. Come at me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I promise you it will end differently. <laughs> I got I got a good laugh out of that. I was like, oh, come on. What kind of rippet you got there? Is that a, a mountain-flavored one or what? It, yeah. So it is a um, Breckenridge Brewery. Oh, I love Breck. Mountain Beach is a session sour, bright and tart with pineapple, lime, and guava. Feels like I should give up my man card. Yeah, right. Uh, I like Breckenridge. I like their vanilla bean uh, porter or vanilla porter, uh, I think is what it yep, is. Yeah, vanilla porter. Yeah, I've got one of those upstairs. They did an orange one, but they don't sell it here uh, where I'm at. So I haven't been able to try it yet. This is like a mix pack. It's got like a strawberry sky, vanilla porter, ah, yeah. juice, juice drop or something. I don't know. You know, we're actually supposed to start out with uh, some pre-roll. Creative Brain Candy by Creators for Creators. I don't know what we're doing, but we seem to forget that we always start with that. Like, it's like, are you ready? One, two, three, pre-roll, and then go. Eh, whatever. We do what we do. Yeah. Uh, should we just go ahead and play that uh, beautiful bean footage? I mean, the intro. And uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Let's do that. I'm going to do my best today because two episodes in a row I believe I have uh, screwed up the uh, mix board you're listening to eyes forward march a podcast geared towards building the core of the non-commissioned officers heat up your MRE crack open a cold rip it and join your platoon daddies sergeant bacon and sergeant Seagar, as they continue to build networking skills have some laughs uplift morale, and talk about daily issues soldiers face. Let's begin. I don't know if that showed up or not. Yeah. Oh, that, you rubbing your hands like Miyagi isn't. But... Yeah. Oh, that's not? Eh. No, you're like, this is what you're doing. <laughs> no. Now, this is what you need to do. Yeah, see, I have the uh, noise gate, which takes all that out. Damn it. Some pros and some cons. Hey, you know what I want to do? I want to start off this episode before we get into uh, the thing that we do every episode this year. I want to start off with a story, sort of. Okay. Okay. Now, I'm not going to give any uh, information or backstory or anything like that. Uh, I'm just going to say that uh, as I travel and experience the brotherhood of online things, sometimes people post things or make posts, right? They, they, they jump on there. As I say, they a hundred times, sometimes people just write something and it becomes on the line. And once it's on the line, you can't get it off anyway. All right. So enough rambling. I'm just going to read this. What I want you to do is not draw conclusions or just listen. Back in the day, I used to sell weed before all you crazy millennials legalized it mainly to friends and occasional friends of friends. A terribly non-profitable hobby, not unlike box splits. In another, or in one rare occasion, I had a disagreement with a person that could not be solved 
peacefully. I weighed the risk of addressing the situation in the way I was entitled versus avoiding conflict and cutting ties. A small debt, late night doorbell ringing from a friend's work acquaintance. I simply ate the cost, cut ties with them, and stopped associating my vice hobby with indirect friends. I got some flack from peers for being a 10-ply spineless punk, but mostly I understood the risk versus reward. Not of not a lot of legal ground to stand on when drawing attention is to be avoided and reducing exposure created a tighter, safer community. Now, I know that I was trying to read that and make up for some of the uh, words that were out of place on the fly because it might have been high while he wrote it. But I really like this when you look at the analogy of it because sometimes you get shit on. Sometimes you do things for people, and we've talked about this before, Bacon, where you do things for people and people kind of just burn those ropes. And what do you do? Do you make a big fuss about it? Just scream holy hell? Or do you just sit there and say, you know what? I'm just going to cut my ties. You got away with it. I'm not going to do business with you anymore. It depends. But me personally, I uh, I just cut sling load. Done. What do you mean? Like, so when somebody's burned me and maybe once or twice... If I've given them forgiveness once or twice, and then that third time, we're done. Out, gonzo. Yeah, and I get it. Somebody is going. Somebody listening is going to say, well, um, back in the day, I used to sell weed, and weed isn't about the military. No, don't, don't worry about that. Don't focus on that. Focus on the story of you had something to provide somebody that somebody wanted, right? And you're like, Oh yeah, no problem. Here you go. I'll hook you up. Oh shit. I forgot my wallet at home. Can I get you next week? And it never happened. Right. Forget the weed. It's illegal. You don't do it. Please don't do it. It's not worth it. Unless maybe you're out of the military, then do whatever the hell you want. But I just really like this. I I, I felt like in a world of hate, especially after the recent, um, I think the Oscars thing, you know, everybody's like focused on the hate. I really liked this story. I didn't like the what it was, but I liked the meaning behind it is just sometimes it's better to be like, you know what? I hooked you up. You screwed me. I'm not hooking you up no more. No, shame, shame on me. Yep, exactly. Sometimes it's just better to walk away. Right. I, don't know. I wanted to get that out. I, I wanted it to be more exciting than what it really was. And, and I know I popped this on you last minute, but that's okay. I should expect the unexpected. You have uh, some stuff for us. Do we want to do that now? Do we want to pimp somebody and into it? Oh, yeah. You want to pimp somebody? Let's pimp somebody and get into it. Might as well. I mean, um, let's see here. Who do I have? Hello, everyone. This is James from Simply Stogie's podcast. Uh, That is low. It is low. I'm going to try that again. Like Flowrider low. Hello, everyone. This is James from Simply Stogie's podcast, a member of the Creative Brain Candy Media Cooperative, inviting you to check out simplystogies.com for the latest in cigar reviews, product reviews, lounge reviews, and in-depth interviews from around the industry. If you're interested in cigars or the cigar culture, visit simplystogies.com. And thank you for listening to this podcast on the Creative Brain Candy Media Co-op. That man's got a deep-ass voice. 
Yeah, he's like very white level. <laughs> I don't feel like I should enjoy my cigars as much as I do when I listen to Simply Stogies on the Creative Brain Candy Network. Yeah, uh, I love Simply Stogies. I'm involved directly uh, and indirectly with Simply Stogies. So, and we're going to the PCA trade show here uh, in uh, July. So that'll be lots of fun. Check out simplystogies.com. Uh, search Simply Stogies podcast on every social media platform, including YouTube. All right, let's do it. It's time for military history. Okay, for the week of April 10th through April 16th of 2022, on April 10th, 1942, during World War II in the Pacific, the Bataan Death March began. American and Filipino prisoners were forced on a six-day march from an airfield on Bataan to a camp near Cabanatuan. Some 76,000 Allied POWs, including 12,000 Americans, were forced to walk 60 miles under blazing sun without food or water to the POW camp, resulting in over 5,000 American deaths. So where do they have the uh, Bataan Death March now? Uh, that's down in New Mexico. April 10th. 1945, Nazi concentration camp at Buchwald was liberated by U.S. troops. Located near Weimar in Germany, Buchenwald was established in July of 1937 to hold criminals and was one of the first major concentration camps. It later included Jews and homosexuals and was used as a slave labor center for nearby German companies. Of a total 238,980 Buchenwald inmates, 56,545 perished. Following its liberation, Supreme Allied Commander General Dwight D. Eisenhower and other top U.S. commanders visited the subcamp of Ordruf. U.S. troops also forced German civilians from nearby towns into the camp to view the carnage. I'm familiar enough with World War II and nazi germany to get the jews i had no idea they were like jews and homosexuals yep just so that that one the others were like homosexuals people with mental disabilities stuff like that uh it was basically that any anybody that didn't fit hitler's aryan race was forced into these camps wow april 11th 1970 apollo 13 was launched from cape kennedy at 2 13 p.m 56 hours into the flight, an oxygen tank exploded in the service module. Astronaut John L. Swigert saw a warning light that accompanied the bang and said, Houston, we've had a problem here. Swigert, James A. Lavelle, and Fred W. Hayes then transferred into the lunar module, using it as a lifeboat, and began a perilous return trip to Earth, splashing down safely on April 17th. That's crazy. You've seen the movie. With uh, Tom Hanks. And I yep. I have to imagine that that's not 100% true. Like, it's not obviously a documentary. It's kind of like a depiction of what happened. But I always thought it was weird. The scene where they have to get rid of the uh, carbon monoxide and they start having to MacGyver a filter, it just blows my mind. That's like every space movie, too. Uh, which one was it where he uh, he was on Mars and he basically had to figure out how to farm potatoes to live? The Martian. Oh, um, Matt Damon? Yeah, the Martian. the Martian. Yeah, like, that's crazy. Yeah. 
It's insane. Yeah. April 12th, 1861, the American Civil War began as Confederate troops under the command of General Pierre Beauregard opened fire at 4.30 a.m. on Fort Sumter in Charleston, South Carolina. April 12th, 1945, President Franklin D. Roosevelt died suddenly at Warm Springs, Georgia, after suffering a cerebral hemorrhage. He had been president since March 4, 1933, elected to four consecutive terms, and had guided American America out of the Great Depression and through World War II. Four consecutive terms. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah, that, that he's on he's on Mount Rushmore, ain't he? I don't think so. No? I think Teddy is. All right. April 13th, we had a birthday. Another birthday. Happy birthday. In 1743, Thomas Jefferson was born in Albemarle County, Virginia. Marlboro? I feel like Logan trying to say names in Louisiana. (laughs) Yeah. You've had a a couple hard ones this time. Albemarle County, Virginia. He was an author, inventor, politician, architect, and one of the first no, the finest minds of the 1700s. He authored the American Declaration of Independence and later served as the third president from 1801 to 1809. He died on July 4th, 1826, the same day as his old friend and one-time political rival, John Adams. Who created the beer. No, that was Sam Adams. Oh, damn it. So many Adams in my life. Yeah. Adam's apple. Adam in the Bible. Yeah, Adam and Eve. Yeah, like there's so many Adams in my life. All right. April 14th, 1865, President Lincoln was shot and mortally wounded while watching a performance of Our American Cousin at Ford's Theater in Washington. He was taken to a nearby house and died the following morning at 7.22 a.m. All right, I've got uh, three more here. Oh, Jesus. Okay. I told you it was a big week. Yeah, fucking busy. April... 14th, 1986, U.S. warplanes, on orders from President Ronald Reagan, bombed the Libyan cities of Tripoli, Benghazi, in retaliation for the April 5th terrorist bombing, good lord, discotheque in West Berlin, in which two American soldiers were killed. Among the 37 persons killed in the air raid was the infant daughter of Muammar Gaddafi, Libya's head of state. Is that how you say it? Muammar? Yeah. Yeah, anyway, Gaddafi, they killed his infant daughter. April 15th, 1912, in the icy waters off Newfoundland, the luxury liner Titanic, with 2,224 persons on board, sank far wherever you are. (laughs) All right. Well, that sank at 2.27 a.m. after sinking, no, striking an iceberg just before midnight. Over 1,500 persons drowned, while 700 were rescued by the liner Carpathia, which arrived about two hours after the Titanic went down. And finally, we have another birthday. On April 16th of 1867, the American aviation pioneer Wilbur Wright was born in Millville, Indiana. On December 17th, 1903, along with his brother Orville, the Wright brothers made their first successful flight of a motor-driven aircraft. It flew for 12 seconds and traveled 120 feet. By 1905, they had built a plane that could stay airborne for half an hour, performing figure eights and aerial maneuvers. Wilbur died of typhoid fever, May 1912. 
And it wouldn't be many years later before um, Amelia Earhart disappeared in the Bermuda Triangle trying to fly across the country. Transatlantic. Yeah, the transatlantic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was military history. Okay, uh, Happy New Year. Welcome to 2023. That was the longest. <laughs> no, that's great. It's a busy week uh, in military history, which is good. And there was, there, there was some good stuff there. I tried to, I weeded it out too. Like there was a lot more. <laughs> I was just talking to, uh, uh, one, one of our listeners today that, uh, is in my neck of the woods and, uh, we were talking about military history and, uh, it was just like something that we wanted to do this year. Like, let's just do something different. Let's do some, we came up with this idea and, uh, some, some weeks we have, uh, just a ton of stuff and other weeks it's like. Well, yeah, uh, back in history, this week happened. Uh, moving on. Yep. What do you got for us tonight? Oh, gee, okay. I was going to do that. What do you what? So we had actually talked and went through many different scenarios, like we've talked about in the past, of topics that we can cover. And we kind of somehow along the way, and I'm going to give full disclosure here as I look through the text messages, we ended up with kind of the... The idea of promote up or get out. And this kind of stems with the mentality of when you get into the military. And I can't speak for all the branches. I can only speak for the National Guard. It seems to be this big push of I don't care who you are, uh, where you're from, what you know. You went through basic training. You went through AIT. Here's the timeline. Boom, boom. Uh, PV1, PV2, PFC, specialist, sergeant, staff sergeant. And then once you get to the staff sergeant, it kind of slows down a little bit because, you know, as you go higher in the ranks, it uh, it's kind of like this funnel, right? Mm -hmm. And we had talked about how it's so important, especially that E4 to E5 step where there's so much pressure to get everything that, the, you know, they have to do an online course in order to be like really pass height, weight, pass ACFT now. So do those two things, show up, do your DLC, get promoted to sergeant. Do you have a soldier who is just freaking phenomenal at what they do, but they don't want to be a leader. They just want to be a doer. I want to show up. I want to be an expert in my skill set and do what I want to do. I have no desire to lead soldiers. Uh, yeah, we've got lots of those. Yeah. Yes. Yes, you do. People don't, don't want to lead. Yeah. For whatever reason, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the mentality... Uh, right now is you've got enough time in, you need to be an NCO. Why do we put that pressure on people to move up? Why can't we sit there and say, hey, this soldier wants to be a career E4? They used to have where you could be a career specialist. Yep. And I had never heard of this until we met. This is one of the first conversations we actually <laughs> ever had. Yeah. We keep going back to it. Do you remember signing in like basic training? Maybe not. I was only an E2, E1, E2, something like that. But at some point in your career, you were signing SP4 instead of SPC. No, so I never saw that. Okay, so I saw that a lot. So I asked one time, is there an SP5? And they're like, well, no, not anymore. And these were some of the older the Vietnam guys that I was still hanging with. Sure. And they said that during like that era, yes, you had people that they were just doers. They weren't leaders, but they were really good at what they did. So to give them recognition, right, you were like an SP5 or an SP6. So when I got in, it 
wasn't necessarily unusual to hold a retirement formation for a specialist, somebody who did 20 years in the guard as an E4. Now that's unheard of. I mean, we do retire E5s. You don't really even see an E6 retire at 20 years. It's more common, but it seems like when you do 20 years in the service, it's an E7 or higher. You're not wrong. There are still a lot of E6s in my state retiring with 20 years. Yeah, there there are in mine as well. And and I'm sure across the, the military, you know, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like when you when you have that retirement, let's bring you up front and fo- front of the formation, give you a quick thank you for your service and you're gone. It seems like when you hit the E7, E8 level, that's when it's like, hey, we're going to go out and get you a cake. We're going to make a whole big ordeal about it and so on and so forth, which I really like, but I feel like if you did 20 years in the military, whether you're an E4 or higher, I feel like there should be a a ceremony. That should be something that's celebrated. You gave up 20 years of your life. Right. And again, sometimes you're in a situation where your career is dead-ended. There's, so, there's no movement, so you can't be a sergeant. But you could, in, in those days, it's quite possible where you could be like a specialist five. Mm-hmm. where you're still in a specialist, right? You're not in a leadership position. I don't see the problem with that. I work alongside people who are technically and tactfully proficient. They have no desire to be leaders. And I have literally witnessed them say, okay, first sergeant says I have to do my DLC. Okay, I can't go home if I don't do my DLC. And then they get enrolled in school and they have to go to it. And I almost feel like they kind of look for ways to fail that school because they don't want to be an NCO. Right. There's people out there that become NCOs because they want the responsibility. And there's people out there that become NCOs because they just want the money. Right. And some people are like, I don't give a shit about the money. I don't want the leadership. I just want to fucking serve my country and be the the most knowledgeable best E4, you know, the leader of the E4 mafia, the high sham. They're happy, they're content. All they want to do is show up and do their thing. And they know they're going to get some bullshit from NCOs who and they're E4s who have been around longer and have a whole lot more knowledge. They're just like, "Yeah, Roger, Sergeant." So I found a quick Wikipedia, and this will probably bring some light to what you're saying. All right. Those specialist ranks were created to reward personnel with higher degrees of expertise and experience and technical knowledge. Appointment to either specialist or non-commissioned officer was determined by military occupational specialty. Yeah. So different MOS had various transition points. For example, in the band career, excluding two different locations, a bandsman could not achieve non-commissioned officer status until pay grade E6 was attained. So in some military occupational specialties, a soldier was appointed either a specialist or non-commissioned officer, depending on which particular position or slot they had fitted into the organization. A cook was a specialist while a mess steward held the rank of Sergeant E5. Yeah. The specialist grades paralleled corresponding grades of non-commissioned officers E4 through E7, only in terms of pay. The specialist grades, although they outranked the enlisted grades, were outranked by all non-commissioned officers E4 to E9 and lacked the authority conferred on an NCO 
and this is a major dis differentiation between a specialist and a hard striper. Striper. That's exactly what you're saying. Yeah. I almost kind of feel like that last sentence was like, we got rid of it because this was a problem. I think it did, right? Yeah. So where this- I'm a spec five. Yep. Sergeant. Uh, don't tell well, me don't what go the hell there. to do. Go spec six. Go to a specialist E6. Okay. Because now you have an E grade higher than an E5. But you're still a specialist. You're still a specialist. You're a specialist. You're you're a level six specialist. Which hey, yep. granted, you are the most proficient in your task, but you're still a specialist. It, it's all the art of the sham, right? So the sham has it's sham levels. It's it's I'm sham one. I'm sham two. I'm sham six. I'm sham wow. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. When you get to that, I'm <laughs> sham wow. <laughs> you're gonna love so, these nuts. <laughs> so here. There is a uh, command sergeant major elder goes on to explain that in 1968, when they added the rank of command sergeant major, the specialist ranks at E8 and E9 were abolished because they were notional rather than actual. In 1978, the specialist rank at E7 was discontinued. And in 1985, the specialist ranks at E5 and E6 were discontinued. I think they should bring spec levels back because I think Everybody knows that, like, you're spec level. Like, you're, you don't have to go to spec fucking 20, go to spec four, right? So, you got spec ones or specialist one, two, three, four, and maybe four is the equivalent to an E6. Yeah. You know, I mean. So, instead of going to a, a leader school, you're just going to another, like, MOS enhancement school. Yeah, it'd be almost like a trade school. And, you know, I'm just, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to take a leadership role. I'm going to focus my career in becoming proficient in my job. So you have, you get MOS qualified, you're an E1, you get to E4, right? So now you have a career path and you have the choice to say, I want to go the leadership path or you say, you know what? I just want to be proficient as F in my MOS. So I'm going to go the trade route. You're never going to make NCO. And then everybody knows that, Hey, I got you. You're a specialist five, whatever. Uh, you are proficient in your skill set. And I will respect you as a specialist five, but I'm a leader. Right. Or as I was saying, and I was like, mm, eh, you're still going to get those rocky waters. It is almost like a warrant officer type position for enlisted, where the warrant officer is like the specialist of their field. 100%. Okay. Yeah, I like that. You're not getting paid near as damn much. If you go to the technical side and say, I don't want to be an NCO, all right, well, you're going to get a pay raise, but you're not going to get paid what an E6 gets paid or an E7 gets paid as a leader because what's your responsibility? Right. Well, none, except let's say you're a, let's say you're a cook. That's where I was going to okay. go. Your, your responsibility is not to kill people. Right, but- you need to cook the meat. That's it. Yes, 100%. But that your responsibility to make sure the meat is cooked correctly is the same if you're a PV1. You know, a PFC, an E3 should be like, hey, Private, you're brand new. This is your first meal. I'm just going to dip my little thermometer in there. If I'm an E6 NCO and I don't trust my damn cooks, I'm going to get a thermometer and stick it in the meat. Because <laughs> I don't want my troops to get freaking food poisoning. <laughs> You don't you trust your privates with the thermometer. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, this went downhill real quick. <laughs> oh, shit. 
How did how did we get here? <laughs> because I have the I have the mental acuity of a teenage boy. <laughs> you said meat. <laughs> I uh, being in the military, I have uh, grown a uh, very acute sense of humor, and so I went to a friend's house and. Uh, had dinner the other day and I went to take a whiz, washed my hands and I pushed the soap bottle and the soap squirted like four foot. Like it was, and I'm like, well, this isn't how it's supposed to work. (laughs) That's what she said. That's what she said. I think that there just needs to be an E4 career level. Fuck it. Make it an E5. Like you'll make it up to E5 and as an E5, you're not in a leadership role. That's where you separate. Would you do an assessment at that level? Okay. So, You've got a guy. Uh, counseling? Career counseling? No, not even like that, right? So you got a guy. He goes, Let's, we'll pick on the cooks. He, uh, he's he gone to Culinary Excellence Center at Fort Lee. He's now a he's now a Specialist E5 okay. or Specialist 5. Okay. Right? Specialist 5 being the highest rank you can achieve as a specialist. Yep. Okay. He is the lead cook, the head cook, whatever you want to call him. And now after, say, two years in that position, the command team would then come in, pull them into the office and say, pull, pull out their developmental counseling and say, you know what, Smith, you're doing great things. We, as a command team, feel comfortable sending you to a NCO school and putting you in a leadership position based off of how you've performed as the head cook. Using your cook scenario as a spec five, you might make it up to sous chef, right? So then, uh, hey, we think you can run this kitchen. So- we want to send you to NCO school. That would involve you're the Gordon. Yep, the Gordon Ramsay, right? We want you. Yes. We think you have the potential. That would involve leadership, and, and I'll call it out right now. We lack career counsel, but it's all things we should be doing. Correct. And so, if we're not doing those things, like why can't we sit there and say, "Hey, Sergeant Major, I understand we want to move people through the ranks, but this soldier is perfectly fine where they're at. We have career counsel that soldier. And that soldier says, you know what? No, I don't want to be a leader in the guard. I want to come to drill and I want to cook two meals on a drill weekend for our soldier. That's what I want to do. I want to come in. I want to do my damn job, serve my country in the guard. Some people have responsibility in their civilian careers and just want to do the guard to to have a little vacation from their everyday life. Right. The sergeant major actually is looking at it like this. He sees an E7 that's been sitting as an E7 some spot for four or five years. Right. Looks at their SID perts or IPERMs or whatever, and he's like, okay, look, you haven't done MLC. What's going on? Now, at that point is when your command team should come in and be like, look, they're good there. But then the sergeant major's rebuttal is going to be, what good are they to the organization? Yeah. They're holding a spot, preventing someone else from a advancing who will continue to advance when they've hit their career plateau yep that's why they're up everybody's ass that's why they're pushing in dlcc and dlc she dlc she she <laughs> no does she shed and i get that that's what they're looking at you're gonna have those people that plateau at e7 and they're gonna hold that spot for six years before they hit their 20 okay why is it wrong for that e7 to plateau there as long as that e7 is doing everything correctly. Now, I get it. If they get to that spot and they're not past or they're having trouble with PT, height, and weight, maybe those are the people that you say, hey, look, uh, let me give you some career counseling, career mentorship. What happens is the, uh, the sergeant major calls and says, hey, you're taking an E8 position here. They don't ask. They tell you. Okay. It's career guidance. 
No, right? it's, it's, like, no, it's bullshit. It's exactly what it is. At no point in your career where you sat down with the Sergeant Major as an E7 and been like, hey, look, this is where I want to go. And the Sergeant Major can rebuttal or agree and say, look, no, I want to see you go here because it opens up this path for you where you're seeing tunnel vision. Right. I'm seeing a much bigger picture for you. Yeah. Right. And that that's what needs to happen. It's not happening. I try to set soldiers up for success, but I don't communicate correctly with those soldiers. I don't bring them in and be like, hey, I'm going to bring you into, say, dispatch. Because what I feel like, I feel you know how to drive this truck. But what I really want to see from you is how can you take this broken piece? Like, I feel like you can do it. But what I really want to do is I want to bring you in here and I want you to identify how it's broken I want you to figure out how to fix it. And if you figure out how to fix it, then this is your career path. Instead, I just say, hey, you're available to me, so I'm going to throw you into this spot and fix it. That is horrible career management, career guidance, but that's what we do. You'll be a great sergeant major someday. Fuck you. <laughs> Emotional damage. Looks like that's another mission completed. A 30-mile check ride in the bag. Hit us up, podcastefm at gmail.com. Or follow Podcast EFM on Instagram. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Sergeant Bacon. And I'm Sergeant Seagar. As always, eyes forward. March. That was just the perfect thing to end that on, so that's why I did that. That was a perfect fucking ending. Here, where's the button? The first time in two weeks you got the uh, the ad right. Oh, triple E's too big. I gotta pee. <laughs>